0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening, and thanks for joining us. An astonishing development in the investigation into the June killing of Hardeep Singh Nidjar outside of Suri Gurdwara.
0: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau cited credible intelligence suggesting India was behind the slaying. On the evening of June 18th, Nijjar was shot to death outside the Guru Nanak Sikh Gurdwara, where he served as president. Niger was a leader of the Khalistan movement, pushing for an independent sixth state. The Indian government had labelled him a terrorist.
2: Canada has declared its deep concerns to the top intelligence and security officials of the Indian government. Last week at the G20, I brought them personally and directly to Prime Minister Modi in no uncertain terms. Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. We know that the practice of the Indian government has been one of division, of violence,
3: persecution, attacking those that are critical of the government. It is now an important time to send a clear message as a democratic country, as a country that respects the rule of law.
0: Trudeau's assertion in the House will likely set off an unprecedented diplomatic confrontation with India, a nation that is a long-standing ally of Canada.
1: Well, the Prime Minister's explosive accusation mirrors what many in the BC Sikh community have been saying since the night Nijjar was killed.
0: That's right. And Rumina Dea is live at the Guru Nanak Gurdwara in Surrey for us tonight. Romina, what are you hearing from leaders there?
4: Chris, the community was astounded by Trudeau's announcement today on the House floor, and while they are grateful for it, they say it was an epic moment, they are equally angry that no one listened to them for months.
2: Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen, Hardeep Singh Nijar.
4: A stunning allegation. No evidence, no details released by the Trudeau government. For months, the Sikh community has been alleging Hardeep Singh Nijar was assassinated, but they say they were ignored.
5: A public inquiry into India's interference in this country needs to happen immediately. And we've been saying that since before Hardeep's death.
4: Sort of like a relief,
5: but then that kind of turned into resentment. Resentment of the fact that this has been going on for 40 plus years and it finally took
4: for our leader to be killed, for them to have some sort of acknowledgement. 45-year-old Nijer, a prominent Sikh leader and president of the Guru Nanak Kurdwara, was shot to death in his truck outside the temple in Surrey back in June. No one has been arrested. <laughs>
5: This thing, it shook the community across the entire world, including in Punjab.
4: For months, the community has been demanding the federal government look into allegations of foreign involvement. The Indian government claims Niger is a terrorist and last year put a bounty on his head. Nijer's supporters say India was trying to silence him because he was advocating for an independent Sikh state in India, which has a Hindu majority.
6: It's not a surprise because from the day one, Of the assassination since June 18th, we have been uh, informing the Canadian government, the Canadian authorities, that this is the handiwork of the Indian government and uh, Indian agents uh, are responsible for this act of terrorism.
4: Sikh groups are questioning the timing of Trudeau's announcement. They are hoping that this is not a political move. They are are vowing protests across the country at Canadian consulates, um, sorry, Indian consulates across Canada. And that's going to be on Monday, as I mentioned, in Vancouver we know of, Toronto and Ottawa. As far as the temple here tonight, there will be a memorial service for Niger starting at 7 p.m. Back to you.
1: All right. Thanks very much, Romina. Now, as the investigation unfolds, Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie has announced Canada is expelling a key Indian diplomat and expecting the full cooperation of India. Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson joins us with more on the bigger picture and the dominoes that could fall. Mercedes.
7: Well, this really is a difficult situation for the Trudeau government, who have been trying to shift away from the focus on China and the souring relationship there, concerns about foreign interference. And now the other major ally in the region, India, is obviously under a tremendously strained relationship. And as you mentioned there, and Ramina was just saying, Sikh groups have been calling, in many cases, for India's High Commissioner here in Ottawa to be expelled. So far, that hasn't happened. But we do have the identity of the diplomat who Canada has kicked out in the wake of this assassination. It is Pavan Kumar Rai. And uh, the Canadian government says that he was the head in Canada of the RAW. The RAW is the Research and Analysis Wing, which might sound academic, but it's actually India's version of the CIA or Israel's version of Mossad. It is a very active foreign intelligence agency. So he's been expelled at this time. We heard from Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie about this earlier today, and this is what she had to say.
8: We expect India's full collaboration to make sure that we get to the bottom of this. And as of today, and as a consequence, We've expelled a top Indian diplomat from Canada.
7: And this really is going to be a a tough situation for Justin Trudeau to navigate because the government has just released this policy, uh, the Indo-Pacific policy, which they've really been touting, which obviously focused a great deal around India. And now there are serious questions about what the relationship will look like. Back to you.
1: I would imagine. All right, Mercedes Stevenson joining us from Ottawa. Mercedes, thank you.
0: All right, more domestic affairs now. B.C.'s record-breaking summer wildfires aren't letting up. High winds are fanning the flames of the Glen Lake fire.
1: Tonight, the district of Peachland is under evacuation alert down to the lakeshore in most areas. More than 5,000 people have to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Aaron MacArthur reports.
9: The wind is howling in the hills above Okanagan Lake. A fire burning too close for comfort. The Glen Lake fire burning about 8 kilometers west of Peachland. And it has grown by about half, burning through 600 hectares of forest above the community.
10: There's no immediate risk uh, as, of, as of right now, uh, but we are definitely assessing
3: things uh, every day, especially with the regional district and uh, the EOC. So we're definitely uh, making sure that everyone is aware. Uh, we're making sure that everyone's on the same page. Late
9: Monday afternoon, the evacuation alert was expanded to include most of the district of Peachland. The fire chief not taking anything for granted.
10: I don't want to use the words, you know, concerned. You know, we we don't want to be complacent and we're not being complacent. You know, Peachland is uh, working very hard with structured defence planning um, as we speak, making sure that we're prepared um, should this fire continue to move towards our community. More
9: alerts in the South Okanagan. The Park Rail fire has considered held... The winds haven't pushed the flames past its containment lines, but a few homeowners are on a new evacuation alert.
11: We do have good faith with the um, BC Wildfire Service. They have assured us that the fire is still contained at this time, so um, it really is a precautionary measure at this time.
9: The conditions on the ground remain volatile. High winds coupled with warm days and low relative humidity values are pushing fire behavior into rank four. Visible flames and aggressive ground fire. Officials say it's unusual to fight such aggressive fire behavior so late into September.
10: Yeah, we're obviously experiencing some uh, pretty extreme drought uh, this season, uh, which is impacting fire behavior.
9: Wind is expected to taper off Monday, and the temperatures are set to be cooler this week. No one
0: breathing a sigh of relief just yet. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. All right, senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on our next chance of rain and, dare I say it, even snow. Christy. (laughs)
11: yes we'll have more on the snow when i come back chris but a heads up for anyone traveling the mountain passes at tomorrow here's a look the cold front that made its way through it brought in a little bit of rainfall but today it kicked up winds we saw gusts up to 67 kilometers an hour in areas like kamloops this next system is on deck thankfully impacting the region tomorrow so we're talking about rainfall for the central and southern parts of the province we're really only talking about light amounts though potentially up to 20 millimeters but at least chris It comes with higher relative humidity and lower temperatures. Back to you.
0: Thanks, Christy. And it's been exactly one month since unprecedented fires ripped through West Kelowna and its surrounding areas.
1: And tonight, there are still residents waiting to find out the future of their homes. Jason Peer has traveled to West Kelowna to witness firsthand how the community is coping with such massive property loss.
12: Sophie, Chris, yes, there are countless stories of heroism and resilience in the face of unimaginable loss. We spent some time with the resident of Bear Creek who thanks to his quick thinking and intuition saved 20 of his horses from the flames. But now his life is saddled with uncertainty and his property unrecognizable.
13: It's the house and the acreage.
12: Walking through the ashes, the harsh reality has set in. The raging inferno not only destroyed the Bear Creek home and surrounding property of Jeff Finley.
13: It was burnt to dust. Looks like Mars like a nuclear bomb was dropped in there. It also wiped out his livelihood in an instant. It's kind of a, maybe a weird way of saying it, but they are like my children to me, and it's so hard for us now.
12: For the past month, Finley has spent his days visiting his treasured herd of horses in Southeast Kelowna. He saved every single one of them from the MacDougall Creek fire.
13: My biggest concern is how am I getting 20 horses out of a fire zone? you can save our place, that would be truly amazing. The
12: fire was closing in over the ridge. With the help from friends and trailers, the horses all got out on time.
5: Say goodbye to our house.
12: What's left? The charred remains of the family's popular horseback trail riding business.
13: We did not burn that. We have uh, 600 acres that we leased from the government with 20 kilometers of trails that we've groomed over the years and they're all ruined. Our trees are all dead. The uh, trails are not safe, so our business is done. We came over to say hi.
12: And now he's been forced to sell off the majority of his 20 horses to avoid bankruptcy.
13: There's no way I can carry this uh, every month. It's destroying. It's it's terrible. It's uh, <sighs> I have a hard time doing this. But I retired from the police force in 2015 with uh, a severe PTSD, and this place has been. My sanctuary. It's been my place where I've been growing and actually getting over you don't ever get over PTSD, but the emotions numb after a while and my horses do that for me. So watching it burn, it was it's terrible. We were in the Delta Hotel for two weeks. Finley's
12: family and workers are now living out of suitcases at his friend's house. That's a small good. but large consolation. Finley still has one more surviving animal to tend to on his property.
13: Mother Nature came in and said, not the pig, because there was an eye of a hurricane there that burnt around her, grass is green. She got a little bit of second degree burn to her side, I think from radiating heat, but she's totally fine. When the helicopter went in and air dropped her some granola bars, because nobody could get in there. So they, she actually got the first um feeding was from a helicopter dropping granola birds most popular pig in bc oh well, i guess so eh?
12: and while pumba has become a symbol of joy and resilience <coughs> the reality of the situation is these are tough times for his community with difficult goodbyes ahead
13: now i got to say goodbye to most of them but i'm going to keep the ones that are real important in here. in and he wants another cookie he's 16 he'll be he'll be with me probably another 14 years he's not going anywhere
12: but sadly, most of them will. But Finley will ensure every one of his prized possessions will find a good home, and he's just
13: grateful they all survived. Yoja, that's such a beautiful smile. The humans, we, are, we easily can save ourselves, right? It's just horses; they rely on us, and they don't know where to go in a fire. They would, if they stayed behind, they would all perish.
12: Finley grew up on a hobby farm in Maple Ridge. Started riding horses when he was five. During our interview, he realized that his child's saddle, a cherished keepsake, was lost in that fire. So many things to grab, but so little time. Countless priceless items gone. But Chris, Sophie, what Finley says what matters, his family, his workers, his herd of horses,
0: and of course, Pumbaa, they're all safe. Yeah, thankfully, great action by him. Also, uh, tomorrow, you've got to sit down one-on-one with West Kelowna Fire Chief. Jason Brolin.
12: Yeah, really the man of the moment during this past month, Chris. Yes, we got a chance to sit down with Brolin. He actually takes us to ground zero that first night where he deployed his crews in the Rose Valley neighborhood. They actually saved multiple houses in a small cul-de-sac. He recounts the first 48 hours of this ordeal that's coming up tomorrow
0: night at six. All right. Look forward to that. Thanks, Jason.
1: Well, more public safety concerns in Nanaimo after a fire at a condo building left 20 residents without a home this weekend. Firefighters responded to a blaze in the garbage and recycling area behind the building on Prideaux Street early Saturday morning. The flames spread to the building itself and damaged multiple units, while others were damaged by smoke and water from the sprinklers. The city's fire chief says the blaze is considered suspicious, noting there were reports of people in the area around the time of the fire. We've seen that uh, in just the
9: last oh, month or so, uh, a dental office uh, destroyed by fire here in Nanaimo, the side of the MGM uh, restaurant. Also a very suspicious fire at the back of a crematorium. That's just to name a few. And now this apartment building uh, with 15 units in it and 20 people could now be homeless for the next year.
1: So far, the cause of the fire has not been confirmed.
0: A B.C. politician pushed out of the NDP caucus under mysterious circumstances. Adam Walker now sits as an independent MLA for Parksville Qualicum after a human resources complaint. What he says about it in an interview with Global News. Next on the News Hour,
10: We took it for a nice road trip and it performed immaculate.
0: Another happy EV owner. Lucky to get one with an ongoing inventory shortage in Canada. No before you go shopping for one in the States instead. Coming up later.
1: Also tonight, a new report shows the clock is running out for SFU football. Now, a new report shows why there's no clear path to keep it going later in sports.
0: Right now, though, it's been more than 24 hours since the Premier announced Parksville Qualicum MLA. Adam Walker has been removed from the NDP caucus, and we still don't know the details of the HR complaint against him.
1: Walker spoke today with our Richard Zussman and says he will continue serving his riding, and he says he plans to respond to the complaint through arbitration.
3: Vowing to clear his name, Parksville Qualicum MLA, Adam Walker says he's done nothing wrong.
1: Uh, I'm looking forward to
9: uh, taking that investigation to arbitration so that I can clear my name and can continue serving the people of this community with the dignity and respect that I have up until this point.
3: Late Sunday, Premier David Eby announcing the first term NDP MLA had been removed from their caucus, and he stripped him of his title as parliamentary secretary. The circumstances of the dismissal still unclear. But the Premier confirming it was linked to an investigation triggered when a staff member filed a complaint.
9: caucus received a complaint in late July from uh, an employee. This is an internal human resources process. Uh, under our collective agreement, a formal investigation was started
3: When asked directly about the allegations, Walker would not say what he was accused of doing wrong, only that he was informed on Sunday about being removed from caucus.
9: We followed a thorough process, and while difficult, this was a
14: necessary decision.
3: Walker will now sit here as an independent MLA. His constituency office will remain open. He is hoping for an arbitration case, and if things work out his way, he hopes to return to the NDP caucus.
9: It's important that uh, as the governing party that, uh, that there is stability and we want to make sure that everybody has faith in the government that, uh, that is leading us through some very difficult times.
3: There's no police investigation linked to the complaint and it's not connected to sexual harassment. It's also not linked to news stories. Last week, Walker was attacked by a deer while protecting his dog. Walker says he's received an outpouring of support since the news broke Sunday.
9: People support me. Of all uh, party stripes, people are reaching out and saying that they want me to continue in this role and continue serving uh, the people of Parks and Qualicum, and that's exactly what I'm going to do.
3: And while Walker seems certain, there's still a cloud of secrecy around much of what has happened. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Well, there are growing concerns about Vancouver's international reputation after a number of seemingly inexplicable attacks in high-profile public places. Yeah,
0: the latest at the Great Outdoor Comedy Festival on Friday night. An armed man tried to break through the fence as one of Canada's best-known comedians took the stage. Kristen Robinson reports.
5: Crews are tearing down after the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival in Stanley Park. The event opened with a close call Friday night. As comedian Russell Peters was performing, police say a man armed with two edged weapons breached a fence and tried to rush the stage. The suspect stopped by security
2: and arrested. We don't know exactly what his motives were. Certainly um, he was acting in a way that put everybody in danger.
8: He missed my back and then got my,
11: got my arm.
5: The disturbing incident happened less than a week after an armed suspect stabbed three strangers at the light-up Chinatown festival, including this couple. I don't feel safe. The suspect who crashed Comedy Fest is charged with uttering threats, assault and possessing weapons, two knives for a dangerous purpose. 31-year-old Jacques-Louis Martin LaTondra released from custody less than 24 hours after his arrest. To have them released really shakes the public's confidence. And until we restore the public's confidence that we will keep them safe from people who are uttering death threats at a large, well-attended public gathering. How can people feel safe in the
11: community? I think that we have uh, we have had a failure in the legal system uh, to ensure that we have appropriate consequences in place. We have lost the balance and we have to find the right balance between getting people into treatment and supporting them and supporting public safety in our city. Not
5: to mention the impact headlines like these have on Vancouver's reputation as a world city and tourist destination.
6: If you look at online reviews from travellers over the last 15 years, Vancouver went from being a city that was desirable and
5: must visit to being dangerous, disgusting and stay away. While cleaning up Vancouver's public image won't happen overnight, experts say the blemish on our city is hurting post-pandemic recovery. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
0: Just ahead, an absence of information.
1: Do they have a viable transportation plan for this, this development in the community? Do they?
0: Questions and controversy over the massive Sinoc development and why answers are hard to get.
1: And sweet incentives. BC offers new incentives to build more rental homes
14: up the Patello Bridge high above in Global 1 I'm Jennifer Lee traffic looks great right now either getting in or out of Surrey no problem at all Contact Kurmac for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kurmac cares for kids Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services and that's no accident high above the Patello
1: Bridge I'm Jennifer Lee The massive Cenock development at the south end of the Burrard Bridge will dramatically change the neighborhood, especially when it comes to traffic.
0: Yep, thousands of new residents will be moving in, but finding out how the city is planning for that increase is basically impossible. Paul Johnson shows us why.
15: While there are lots of different opinions about the massive Cenock development going up next to Kits Point, Point, uncertainty is it's going to have some kind of impact.
1: It's a development that's of a density and scale that's beyond anything that this city has seen, or in fact, it's been seen in Canada.
15: Kitts Point resident Eve Monroe wondered how 10,000 new neighbors would affect traffic. She learned a study on that had been done by the project and that the city had it. But when she asked for it through Freedom of Information, she was stunned by what they sent her.
1: Every single one of them was redacted in their entirety except for the last six pages.
15: So check out what Eve got back. Dozens of pages, completely blacked out. It's the kind of thing you would expect if you asked the Pentagon about military secrets or something. But this is a traffic study that City Hall has. What's going on with the freedom of information rules?
2: We think we have a right to know in Canada, but we don't really.
15: FOI expert Sean Holman says Monroe's request was denied under laws that allow officials to withhold if it involves other governments or First Nations. Part of a maze of exemptions, he says, that undermines its stated purpose as a meaningful way for citizens to find out what's going on.
2: They apply these exemptions and exclusions in really broad ways and thwart the public's right to know on a regular basis. Senox
15: owner is the Squamish First Nation. When we asked them about this, they referred us to City Hall, where we also tried to ask Mayor Ken Sim if he thought this was reasonable. He never said, but his office told us, though the process can be frustrating, they think it's robust, though not robust enough to answer Eve Monroe's questions.
1: Is it reasonable that traffic studies are the information that needs to be kept secret.
15: In Kitsilano, Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: The B.C. government has unveiled another new program it hopes will help ease the province's affordable housing crisis. And part of it could put thousands of dollars into some homeowners' pockets. But as Krista Dow tells us, there are conditions.
16: There is a lot to navigate when it comes to home construction and BC's extensive permitting process. Now the province promising to streamline it.
9: One-stop shop. You don't have to navigate your way on your own through the maze of the provincial government.
16: The online hub will eliminate cross-ministry applications, helping clear the permit application backlogs. A long-winded process with some waiting up to two years to hear word. The goal to reduce wait times by two months historically the challenge stemmed from coordinating with multiple ministries and not having a line of sight on what you need for your application where it is in the process, and who to turn to when feeling stuck. The new measures coming as BC struggles to keep up with affordable rental units and supply and to encourage more shovels in the ground. Starting next spring, eligible homeowners can apply for a forgivable loan, up to $40,000 to build a secondary suite or rent on their property.
15: We hope to create 3,000 homes across British Columbia. This program will give homeowners a boost and provide potential source of income to help encourage more suites to come online.
16: The caveat, suites must be rented for below market rate for at least five years. Documentation which will include an annual declaration to BC Housing will be required. One Metro Vancouver mayor says while the plan looks good on the surface, the devil is in the details.
2: I will say I have some concerns um, around the three and four units on a single-family lot. Is it going to put the cost of those lots up by that three or four times?
16: In addition, the B.C. government launching a 55-page guide called Home sweet home for homeowners thinking about building a suite on their property. (laughs) (laughs) EB acknowledging this isn't a silver bullet, but says it's another tool at their disposal in tackling the affordable housing crisis. Krista Dow.
1: And there are a number of other requirements to qualify for the loan. Among them, homeowners must have enough equity in their property to secure the loan. Homeowners cannot rent the suite to an immediate family member and recreational and investment properties are not eligible.
0: Grocery executives met with the federal industry minister for nearly two hours today as consumers deal with sky-high prices at the supermarket.
12: I'll show them in no uncertain terms uh, the feeling of millions of Canadians who want to see action. Uh, I am pleased to have seen the constructive tone of the discussion over the course of the two hours and bottom line is that they have agreed uh... to support uh, the government of canada in our efforts to stabilize food price
0: in canada the meeting comes after prime minister justin trudeau asked major grocers last week to come up with a plan to stabilize prices by thanksgiving grocery prices rose eight point five percent year-over-year in july running much hotter than over at 3.3 percent grocery executives blame high
1: prices from suppliers just ahead assessing six months of drug decriminalization i'm listening to mayors and
5: and city councillors talking about the fact that they feel absolutely abandoned by this government with the
1: decriminalization project why some want to see the ban on public drug use expanded
0: But first, protests across the country support the call to search a Manitoba landfill for human remains.
14: The Massey Tunnel traffic is starting to wind down here. Counterflow has been pulled and northbound and southbound traffic is in great shape. Kermak Collision and Autogast, newest location in Vancouver on Southwest Marine Drive. Conveniently located between Camby and Oak, Kermak, the most trusted name in collision repair for 50 years. High above in Global One, over top of the Massey Tunnel, I'm Jennifer Lee.
0: Calls to search a Manitoba landfill for the remains of slain Indigenous women reached all the way to British Columbia today.
10: We want to bring our sisters home so they can rest in peace.
1: Dozens of people rallied outside Prince George City Hall, joining protesters in other major cities across Canada. The remains of five women have either been found or are believed to be in a landfill outside Winnipeg. The Manitoba Premier has resisted calls to search the landfill for more remains, sparking these demonstrations.
5: This is one, about the dignity and respect for the families to have their loved ones return home. But two, it's also on the government to really hold account being true to their word when it comes to truth and reconciliation. So you need to walk the talk, put the money where your mouth is, and really be able to say, we are being honest. We're being transparent and we are going to follow through on what we say. Otherwise, it's performative.
1: The Union of B.C. Indian Chiefs says it's dismayed over the crisis facing missing and murdered Indigenous people, lamenting that inaction has forced people to take to the streets to protest in an international day of action to search the landfills.
0: It's been six months since B.C. began its experiment with drug decriminalization. Since then, drug use in places such as parks and playgrounds has emerged as a lightning rod issue. New rules are now in place to close those loopholes. But as Grace Key reports, mayors at the Union of B.C. municipalities meeting say more must be done.
17: Just as new rules kick in around illicit drug possession in areas frequented by children, some say it's not enough. At the Union of BC Municipalities Convention in Vancouver, there's talk of expanding the ban to include parks, beaches, sports fields, and bus stops.
11: I think it's a balancing act, and so we need to keep the community safe and uh, have people free and able to use these public
17: spaces and support kids and families. Starting Monday, it's illegal to possess illicit drugs within 15 meters of playgrounds, spray and waiting pools, and skate parks. Bans at schools and child care facilities already existed some say an important piece is missing in the fight against toxic drugs
11: it's one piece of the puzzle and the others are again uh, addressing the missing gaps in treatment um, and other services uh, and they need to work hand in hand
2: The program around decriminalization, in order for it to succeed, we need the treatment centers. We need uh, the ability for individuals to be treated within our community. Um, Without those treatment centers, there's people who are um, doing drugs and are at risk to themselves and also creating uh, concerns for our community members and potentially um, adding risk for our community members.
17: Under the pilot project, anyone found in possession of small amounts of certain illicit drugs will not face criminal charges.
7: None of us wants drug use around our children, but we need to uh, look at these issues in ways that we can support public safety, we can support police, and we can also support people who are more vulnerable.
17: Premier David Eby has said a bill will be introduced in the fall that will clarify some other public spaces of concern. I'm
5: listening to mayors and, and city councillors talking about the fact that they feel absolutely abandoned by this government with the decriminalization project. Um, it has gone forward and been foist upon them with very little um, other services provided.
17: Resolutions addressing the toxic drug health emergency will be considered on Wednesday at the UBCM convention. Grace Key, Global News.
1: Just ahead, the shortage that's stalling the EV revolution.
2: Anecdotally, we're hearing that certain plug-in models, they're two-year waits.
1: How high demand and low supply in Canada have some people searching the U.S. But experts say there's a catch.
0: And coming up in sports, the Whitecaps on a roll. How they've turned into road warriors with Squire coming up later. My, like, literally, it dinged just as we were coming it back on camera. Is it a message? It is. It's or is it related... telling
1: you to stand or breathe or no, something? No, it's, re-
0: it's related <laughs> to my kids' basketball, but I'll get back to them.
11: Okay. <laughs> All right, Christy, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> All right. Well, as uh, Chris alluded to earlier today, uh, earlier in the show, we have the potential for snowfall, so I'm going to show you that in a second. I just want to quickly touch on the winds that we saw today. Uh, they range from 30 to 67 kilometers an hour in Kamloops. And although we saw a bit of rain last night in Metro Vancouver and parts of the province today, it came with a lot of wind, and that wasn't helpful. We do have this next system on deck that is going to bring in cooler temperatures, higher relative humidity, and some moisture. It means that we have the potential for snowfall on. The- the Okanagan connector so this is tomorrow night two to four centimeters is possible but it's really just over the summit but a heads up because this is the first snowfall of the season and I know a lot of people probably don't have snow tires on yet you need them if you're traveling the Okanagan connector so the system drives in from the northwest to the central and southern portions of the province especially in the afternoon bringing that rainfall but because it's driving in from the north it's going to see that cool air be shifted in especially over higher elevations the temperatures are going to drop so tomorrow night that's when we have the potential for those very cool temperatures over higher elevations. So look at these numbers. We're talking about low teens and through northern regions with that rainfall. Uh, Merritt only 14 degrees tomorrow. Whistler only 12 degrees and potentially 13 degrees in Powell River. Yes, it's going to feel chilly. Yes, it's going to be wet, thankfully. And that relative humidity will also be high as well. We've got a couple of days of sunshine on the way beyond that. Uh, So we come out of it towards the end of the week. The next chance of rainfall is on Saturday for the Metro Vancouver region but that moisture is not expected in the interior at this point tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from the clearwater river where the salmon run is happening kayleen sharing that shot with us she took it with the go grow gopro Go Pro. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> pro Pro? Wait a second. What am I saying? Go for You know it. what I'm talking about. Say 10 Thank times you. fast. Okay, thanks, Christy.
0: <laughs> All right, Squires here and looking ahead to sports and success for the Whitecaps lately.
8: It keeps going. The Vancouver Whitecaps are no longer suffering from the subterranean homesick blues. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have this kind of, uh, I would say, awareness now that we are a good team. Caps have uh, 10 points out of 12 in their last four road games and have two more on the road this week.
1: Also tonight, EVNV. A lot of Canadians find out plugging into the electric vehicle revolution isn't quite as easy as it should be.
0: Winning equals Job security in professional (laughs) sports, doesn't it? Yeah,
8: that's true. Well, it could mean a new
0: contract for
8: Vanny. Still doesn't have one. More wins, more chances to get a new contract. Now, there was a time, not that long ago, really, when the Vancouver Whitecaps look forward to road games the way a pet cat looks forward to a car ride to the vet. But now the Caps love to travel. They have figured out that being in someone else's stadium doesn't mean you have to be the washington generals to their globetrotters and wins are possible outside the 604 area code and because of that the playoffs for vancouver are very much a distinct possibility the
10: finishes there are just as important so are the road points Officially past the halfway mark of their grueling seven-match road trip that began back at the end of July, the Caps have picked up points in all four away games. Three wins and a draw, producing an impressive 10 of a possible 12 points. Vancouver's now sitting fourth in the standings, two points out of second and eight behind top of the table St. Louis. Yeah, we've done very well. We're playing very well. And uh, it's uh, it's a combination of factors. The most important is the fact that... Uh, I think the, the guys realize that uh, uh, we are having success. We're playing well. It's not—it's uh, not because uh, I would say can't be, but it's because we're really playing well and we're a good team. So we are aware of that, and we are—we are, we are very confident at the moment. It's that quiet confidence that saw the Caps battle back in Toronto and New York after giving up the game's opening goal in both matches, and it's this type of effort and will that's powering a white cap side that should be running on fumes during the longest road trip in franchise history, one that covers 27,000 kilometres during its 33-day duration. Has the mindset changed at all in the last two months, particularly the last month, because you guys seem to really have it dialed in right now? I would say, yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, what we've done uh, the past two months and uh, the way, you know, all of our guys are performing... I think uh, we definitely, um, I think all, everybody has this belief and this, and this uh, goal that, you know, in and, 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 and their minds that, you we, we could, know, we could actually do something special this year. We have the right guys. So I think, yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. And obviously with the additions
8: now, why not, right? Young Stars Tournament, and what a tournament it's been for Akito Hirose. In fact, he led the tourney, which included teams from Edmonton, Calgary, and Winnipeg with five points. There's a goal right there for Horosi today against Edmonton. That made it 2-0 in the first. This is all going on in Penticton. Of course, Horosi played seven games for the Canucks last season and three assists. Cole McWard scoring there. He had a goal last year for the Canucks in a short stint. And so did Aiden McDonough, who scored in all three games here at the uh, Young Stars and also had a goal last year for the Canucks in the regular season. The uh, long-awaited report on the viability of SFU's football team has finally come out, but it doesn't really have any definitive conclusion. Basically, it says a lot of things the university should already know, like money's an issue, football's expensive. It shows a lot of numbers and stats, and then basically throws it back to SFU to make the final decision. Now, in fairness, this was never meant to be a report that had a final answer. But one thing you can ascertain out of it is this. If there is to be football, At SFU in the future, it won't be until 2025, and it should be against Canadian schools again. So bottom line, we don't know yet. If SFU has a football future, I would have to say there's more a chance of it never coming back than coming back. That is Felix oje Yassim at YVR, arriving in Vancouver for the Labour Cup. Here's John McEnroe. He'll be on the morning show tomorrow with Bjorn Bork. Uh, All the other players and coaches have arrived for the Laver Cup, which is to be held on a black tennis court at Rogers Arena Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's Team Europe against Team World. Europe is missing Djokovic and Alcarez. So the world team, which won last time, has a chance to win again. And there you go. Very cool. Should be exciting this weekend. Thanks,
0: Squire. Sure should. All right. Electric vehicles are great if you can find one a tale of two countries in the search for a car you can love coming up next.
1: Jordan Armstrong now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan?
9: Sophie, we're watching a couple of developing stories tonight, beginning with a barn fire in Langley. We understand it's in the area of 219th Street and 3rd Avenue. There are reports one person is being treated for burns, possibly while trying to rescue horses from that property. Also tonight, a Vancouver park ranger attacked on the job this morning at Oppenheimer Park. Police say the ranger was hit over the head with an object. At 11, what we're learning about the suspect now in custody. As well, a memorial service for Hardeep Singh Nidjer is just getting underway in Surrey.
0: We'll have an update on that as well. Sophie.
1: All right, thanks for that, Jordan.
0: Now, with the high price of gas, many drivers are making the switch to electric. But wait times in this country for certain EV models are still very long.
1: Just across the border it's a much different story with a healthy supply of EVs. But Consumer Matters reporter Andrewa shows us why shopping for one down there could be a buzzkill.
6: David Sandelands is one of the lucky ones. He just received his electric Hyundai Ionic 5 after waiting a year and a half.
10: We took it for a nice road trip and it performed immaculate.
6: While industry analysts say certain car brands like Tesla and Polestar are available with little to no wait times, getting your hands on an EV like Dave's requires some patience.
13: EV wait times in eastern Canada and in BC, which are the provinces where the demand is highest, are still long. People are telling us they're waiting six months to A year, in some cases a year and a half before their vehicle comes in. That includes not
6: only the Hyundai EVs but Kia EVs and one of the hardest to get right now, the Toyota plug-in hybrid.
2: Anything Toyota makes because they're such uh, leaders in fuel-efficient vehicles are very long, trustworthy brand. Uh, Hyundai and Kia's maybe not as long.
6: South of the border a much different story. Analysts at Cox Automotive say the supply of unsold EVs in the U.S. remains well above the industry average. Brands like Hyundai, Subaru, Toyota and Volkswagen are said to have average EV inventory. As for the difference in supply between Canada and the U.S., some automotive forecasters say a big reason comes down to a difference in culture.
13: It seems that the Canadian buyer is a bit more green than the U.S., where American buyers are hard and fast for internal combustion engines, and the Canadian buyer seems to be a little bit more open to the the benefits of owning an electric vehicle.
6: But before you go stateside, Motormouth YouTube channel's Zach Spencer says, keep this in mind.
2: You cannot buy a brand new vehicle in the United States and bring it across the border. There's dealer agreements between the manufacturer and the dealers that they're not gonna sell to people from outside of their country. It's just not allowed. There's penalties against the dealer for selling to a non-resident. You can get around that by having somebody you know buy it, transfer it into your ownership as a used vehicle and bring it across the border that can be done. Dave chose to be patient, a decision
6: he says was well worth the wait.
1: Patience is key. If you are in the market for an electric vehicle, auto experts suggest that you order it, but definitely be patient. Mm -hmm. There will be some customers who back out of deals, especially with these higher interest rates, and you might get your car faster that way that's right
0: never hurts to be on the wait list uh yeah i've been on two wait
11: lists for over a year now
0: yeah (laughs) you you are too aren't you was it a toyota that you were trying to get
11: uh i'm on two wait lists so toyota and volkswagen still waiting on either so we'll see yeah
0: whoever comes first we're waiting on rain too Mm
11: -hmm. we sure are so we've got another system driving in tomorrow boy is it going to be chilly so bundle up more sunshine beyond that but we certainly need the rain
0: No doubt. Okay, thanks very much, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night, all.